<laughs> we in here is the Devon After Dark podcast, episode 31. I got my special guest with me, KJ McGee. Yes, sir. AKA by Charles Mag. AKA yes, sir. the designer bag Don. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> to the podcast brother yeah man i appreciate it bro it's been so long overdue for us to get on here yes man we've been trying to do this for like what two years two years bro i remember uh when i first had started and we had ran into each other it's been a minute since we've seen each other at that point and uh we were talking about it, it was um you me malik and we're like, oh, we got to get something going. <laughs> yeah, we were at the bar. We were at a bar up there in Macomb, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, bar, you know, you know which one. It's that. It's the. It's the. It's the. It's the. The hub. Yes, yeah, right. See? I don't even be up there no more. I be forgetting, but I had the funnest time that night, for real. Like, going back, coming back home, a lot of times, you know, um, you forget, you know, that connection you have with all, all your friends and, oh, and yeah. that that reuniting, man, it's a different experience, man. Like, I seen you in the club, I'm like, damn, Devin, this bitch. <laughs> yeah, I seen, my, I seen a lot of my homies back in the, from back in the day. So uh, that was a great experience. Man, I had that same feeling that day, too, because, man, we, we haven't had the chance to see each other in a long time. So, like, yep. at that point when I saw you, I was just thinking, like, damn, this is my bro. Like, we've known each other for over 15 years. Yeah. And we got wow. so much history together, bro. Like, <laughs> like real quick, you remember how we met? Oh, I, we met in fifth grade. We had the same fifth grade class. What was, oh. our, what was our fifth grade teacher's name, bro? It was uh, uh, Miss Osminski. It's Osmanski. Man, Super that's dope. my girl, man. I yeah. love her, man. She's she's so sweet. She's actually connected to my family. It was weird, man. I, so it was crazy how that happened. But I remember uh, fifth grade when we met. It was uh, you, me, Sequelo, and Marco yep. in music class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you remember the actual first time we met? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember it was me and Marco sitting and it was like she was taking attendance and we were sitting next to you and Sequelo in the back of the classroom and when she did attendance and everything and we were about to get situated she was like uh, we were like me and Marco were like you guys like wrestling <laughs> yeah okay all right let's preface this let's preface this because me and Sequelo we didn't go to this middle school before right so me and Sequelo were new to the whole school. It's fifth grade, so this is the last year that we're in this middle school. And we met Devin and we met Marco. And we were like a unit. We were like a 
couldn't, man. We had we were in so much trouble that year. <laughs> Bro, and the craziest thing is, like, we are still like tight to this day. Like, all of us like still talk to each other too. Yeah. And it's like yeah. from there, like, we just became best friends in in fifth grade, and we just, <laughs> man, I wish. Do, do you have any stories from like when we were in class and stuff? No. Do you remember anything? Honestly, let's let's go let's go through it because. If I remember correctly, you went to WrestleMania with us, right? Yes. With Craig? Yeah. 23, so we yeah. To, we went to WrestleMania 23 together and had the greatest time, man. We were also into wrestling. So we was uh, me, you, Craig, and I think we were on the same – were we on the same basketball team? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, in the, yeah. In the Chippewa Valley Leagues. Yeah, Chippewa Valley League. Let's – um, let's say it like this. I was, you know, super dominant, the star player. You know what I'm saying? You're like KG, you know, like Chris Webber, bro. <laughs> yeah. So back then I was bigger than everybody else. Yeah. So I was just, you know, getting how I live, like doing whatever I wanted to do. But we had a good ass record. I remember we played Marco. I dropped 22 on Marco head. <laughs> I said, yeah, I dropped, I dropped your number on you, boy. I dropped your number on you. 22, <laughs> dropped 22 on you. Shot 22 on Marco. <laughs> man, but those were the days, me. bro. Dang. It's yeah, crazy, like, once you, like, man. start to that think about it. <laughs> yeah, but we knew each other for a minute, like, man. for a little minute. Fifth grade, we're 20, I'm 24 now, so do the math, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's been there 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's 15. That's about 15 at this point now. Yeah, it'll be 15 crazy. it'll be 15 like in terms of our age like next year so it's it's crazy like just to think about how much time has passed and how how long we we've known each other and connected together yeah facts no man facts, for real. <laughs> i'm just i'm just glowing because of those, those I got a question for you. what's that is it true is it true that you were in the footwork fiends oh that is not a rumor that <laughs> is the truth it. That is the talk truth. About it, talk about it. That is, oh man, I can't believe that you brought this up. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> Tell the people what the footwork fiends are, man. Footwork fiends. So let me take you guys back. This is this is YouTube MySpace era. This is yes. this is the MySpace. the beginning. Of, A lot of y'all don't know about the MySpace era. Bro. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna MySpace we're gonna era. tell them. <laughs> MySpace era. This is circa like this is post Soldier Boy crank that. This is this is 2000 man 2010 2008 area. It might have been yeah. 2009 2010 because this is right around all right. So MySpace era was coming to an end, and Facebook era was just starting, and it was like the 2009. I call it the jerk era. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it was. Era. And that leaves Devin right right here in this spot where he's about to tell the story. I love it. I love it. So, yes, we're in the jerk era. This is Footwork Fiends, and this is how it all started. This is seventh grade. This is no one was going on in the culture at the time with, you know, the new boys, everybody making uh, videos on YouTube, jerking, going in all different types of places, going to the city going to the local park and just jerking. Like, I'll get up and jerk right now. <laughs> just, to, just, to, just to show the people that don't know what jerking is. Yo, if they I don't wish... know. 
Show him. I guess if, if you want to show him, go ahead and show him. Man, I'm going to I'm have to show him real quick, and I'm going to get back in my seat. But basically, what we used to do was this. Hey, 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 you a jerk. I know. Yeah. You didn't want me to break out the pin drop. I don't got enough room in this room. Ooh, the pin drop was a valid. The pin drop was almost like, it was like jerk era, but it was like kind of the B-boy era. Yeah. They <laughs> like, mixed it, like, it up. Like on the border. Yeah, no, it was a valid move. You pull out the pin drop, you know what you're doing. Man, like, we hit that pin drop at the talent show in seventh grade. Oh, <laughs> they didn't even know yeah. it was coming. But uh, I got to give a shout out to the guys at Footwork Fiends real quick. My brother, Davey J. My guy, Dallas. Yeah. My guy, Jack. Yeah. My guy, Isaiah. Yeah. We were ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> we were going in. We did talent shows. We made YouTube videos. Man, I remember, you know, we made a scene for a video where we was we was jerking on the top of Jack's car. <laughs> His dad's car. His dad's van. <laughs> Listen, if you never jerked on top of a car, you are not a jerk. You're not a jerker. You don't know how to jerk. <laughs> this is what it is. Like that's it. That's the upper car. echelon. You gotta you gotta cat daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you my cat do, daddy. Yeah, you gotta do all that. You gotta pin drop. There's a lot of things you gotta incorporate in your jerk. To be official jerker, so man, it's um, man. That's the freestyle. The footwork fiends was definitely somebody I was tuning into every week. You know, they would jerk with the headphones in like this. You know, <laughs> the music would be in the background, but the headphones would be in like what they listening to. I wonder what they listening to, and they would be jerking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, super valid, <laughs> man. And the crazy thing is too. So this is how I'm about to spin off of this. You remember the branding that we did with that? No, what do you mean? So we started the Footwork Fiends, and you remember what the brand that was popular at the time? It was famous, you know, with the big F and the stars inside of the logo. Yes. So we. Oh, I remember. I remember. <laughs> we took that, <laughs> which would be a copyright issue nowadays, but <laughs> we took that and we all we all wore the famous tees that was like our logo. We made flyers printing out the logo and everything and it's just it's crazy how one little thing that you do when you're younger and you could you could come full circle to creating something along yeah. the same lines just a different realm yeah bro it's so crazy <laughs> so i want to talk about so since we since we talked about the footwork fiends i want to talk about what's what's relevant with us right now and i'm really curious like about your company, your company, Charles Mag handbags, um, backpacks, everything about it. I remember when you first started it, and I know you're doing a reboot right now, and I just want to hear uh, what's what's the brand all about.
So um, pretty much started Charles Mag uh, in 2017. Um, but even before then, I was taking back to 2014, 2015. I was designing bags, um, designing bags, hand making bags. Uh, I had no clue, never picked up a, a thread, never picked up a needle. And just kind of got to it, man. Just um, tried to do something. Um, I think really what started it was when I went off to school, I went to DC uh, with the Trinity Washington University. And when I went there, um, you know, I was in school, but at the same time I had, I was uh, real close with my uncle then. My uncle actually was one of my mentors and he had a really close friend uh, who was an investor. And my uncle just brought me aside, brought me and my cousin aside and was like, listen, like he's an investor. Uh, you guys should do something. You, you never know what can happen. So um, taking that, we just kind of ran with it. Uh, at first you go with the clothing line, like anybody else. Uh, oh, so yeah. My cousin brings up like, listen, like, you know, let's do a clothing line. And I'm like, oh, we have to, you have to elevate because you can't have that barrel mentality when it comes to what we're trying to strive to be. So first thing I say is, listen, we got to do, we got to do backpacks. I feel like nobody's in that field. And at the time I had just paid for a $400. I don't even say I paid for it for Christmas. I got a $400 MCM backpack and my cousin got a $1,200 Louis Vuitton backpack dumb shit but we're walking around campus with our bags think we cool as hell whatever the case may be but um that's kind of how i transitioned into bags so um that year ends um i transferred schools uh, i didn't like the school i was going to um but when i transferred schools i ended up in cincinnati went to cincinnati state um wow. and when i was up there i i had taken a class uh, I went to this place called Tandy Leather and they kind of just, you know, they had a class like how to make wallets, how to make belts. But my mindset was already elevated to bags, like I'm not drop down the belts or wallets, even though that's something I'm trying to get into now. But I was like, let's teach me how to make a backpack. So I had by that time, I had a whole book laid out of bags, like 60 options. And he's like, OK, which bag do you want? You have a lot of bags, focus in which bag do you want? So that's when I picked out the bag. It was actually this one right here. But um, before then it was a handmade bag, right? So I handmade pretty much that bag identical. Um, so that's how I, I, I first like, you know, just had my first product was through that, that process. Um, ended up making another one. So within that um, about, eight months, I'd say, I made two bags. <laughs> now, from then, I was road running at the time. So I went from D.C. to Cincinnati and then to Atlanta, where I am currently. And when I got here, that's when I just started, you know, trying to hit up the manufacturer, seeing who's in Atlanta. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't find anybody in Atlanta. So um, I just started doing overseas. And, you know, in this situation, uh, a lot of times, all your textile products will be coming from, you know, overseas. Oh, yeah. It's not China, it's Vietnam, or, you know, 
Mongolia too, right? What's, you said what? Is like Mongolia too? One Mongolia. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of Asia, a lot of a lot of companies are in uh, somewhere in Asia. You know, got so you. That kind of brought me there, um, but just at the time um, when I got my manufacturer, I didn't really have too much money, so I had enough to grab a sample for like 200, 300 bucks. I didn't, I didn't have enough to get an order. So the perspective, because you have to, you have to understand. At that time, I was showing a lot of people my bags when I was hand making them. And people were already kind of seen that direction I was going in, but I was dead broke. I actually had just lost my spot. I had moved to Atlanta with. Uh, two other friends and that apartment went super soft. Like I was the only one that really had a job. Uh, it was me, my friend Malik, you know, Malik. Yeah. Um, Malik actually didn't end up coming. He had a scholarship at Eastern. He was running track. Mm-hmm. I, I told him, hey, handle your business. Um, take care of what you got to take care of first. Um, so hey, super solid character characteristics. He paid rent every month. Solid, you know what I'm saying? Pay rent every month and never stay the night in a in the Atlanta apartment, which was wow. you know, super commendable. Commendable. And Shout then, out Malik. my boy, my boy Tay, and my boy Tay was rapping, the hottest rapper, in my opinion, the hottest rapper in Atlanta at the time. Just you know, didn't have a platform or you know the word to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing what he was doing, it really wasn't helping the situation in totality. So. Um, that spot went went soft quick, so I ended up living with my my cousin, and that's when I really started, you know, picking up on you know my manufacturers, getting my manufacturers tied in. Um, and I was working at UPS, and in order for the manufacturer to really recreate my bag, they needed you know some of the samples. Yes. So when everybody went home. You know, everybody went home. I'm in the, you know, I'm in UPS by myself. I'm closing up shop every night. Um, I just, you know, pack up my bag and send it to my manufacturers. Now, I'll try to keep this as low key as possible. But when you sign in, when you ship any product at UPS, you got to use your your ID badge. Mm-hmm. So one day I get a call from my manager. He's like, "Listen, I see you ship some bags," and I'm trying to play dumb. Like, you know, I was told, "Listen." A dumb person, dumb person can't play smart, but a smart person can play dumb. So I'm playing yeah. dumb, like <laughs> I don't know what bag you talking about, or I don't know what shit me you talk about. And he's like, "Listen, your IDs in it, you know, you can't really dodge it. Just come clean." So I'm like, "All right, listen, you know, I did ship, I did make a shipment, um, a bags. I didn't claim it was for me, but I just, you know, I told him I made a, I made that shipment. So long story short." The owner finds out, tries to, you know, she's like, I'm going to sue you. But at that time of 21, I didn't have no money to, I tell her, like, listen, I don't have nothing for you to sue me for. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can garnish my last check, you know, if you want, but I don't have nothing. Now, side note, these was like $400, $500 shipments. Right. You know, this is more than I make a week. I couldn't even afford to make the shipment if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So, um... Get me, they got me out of there, fired me quick. Um, so I'm out of a job. Um, and honestly, right then and there, I was also in a bad position with my housing because I had just got kicked out of my last unit. 
So I'm living with my cousin and my cousin, she's on government assistance. And as you know, um, when it comes to government assistance, if you have a kid and they provide housing for you and your kid, there is no man in the house. Like you can't have a man in your house. Yeah. And I was, you know, my cousin invited me. She said, listen, I have a spot. You can stay here temporarily till you get back on your feet. So <laughs> that's kind of what I did. I ended up staying with my aunt for a little bit. And um, one day, one morning, seven o'clock sharp, she came banging on the door. Get up. The inspector's here. You got to hide. So I get my ass in the closet. I'm hiding. He checks the whole house. Probably takes 30 minutes. Then boom, he gets to my room. And when he walk in my room, he see, you know, all this stuff around. I didn't even have time to put anything in the closet or anything. So, you know, he puts, he checks out the room, sees that I have all this stuff in that, in that, in that room. He leaves. I think everything's good. Everything's copacetic. About a week later, my cousin tells me, like, listen, he reported that, you know, they look like somebody else is living there. So not only did he kick me out, he kicked her out too. So he wow. had like, you know, he, he got us all out of there. And, um, you know, from there, I know that's when I finally moved into the apartment that I was, you know, that was, I finally found a spot that was my spot. For the first right. time in Atlanta, I've been in Atlanta at this point, probably two, two and a half, three two, years. Yeah. And it was like, I really didn't feel comfortable yet. Um, but, you know, Atlanta lifestyles, they'll take you down the path that might ne not necessarily be the right path. <laughs> But, you know, I kind of end up going down one of those paths, um, right. you know, with the, with the scamming shit out here, it's, it's high, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, invigorating, you know, fast money is hard to turn down sometimes, especially when you need it. Um, and I come from a, a blessed situation. So, you know, I was at a low point in my life where it felt like, you know, any option was the option. Um, yeah. so I ended up doing that, getting enough money to, you know, grab me another spot. So, you know, I finally got my own spot. And then from there, I started to, you know, elevate when it came to the bags. You know, I just took that money and, and, uh, and put it into my, into my craft. Right. Shifted focus back to the dream. So yeah, yeah overall, the whole start from starting the company in 2017, all started off as a dream. It was a gift that first was gifted to you, another handbag that's, that put that inkling in your head like, yo, I want to change the market of what I want to do. I want to create my own handbags. I want to have my own brand. So you started off with that. And then we had those, those hurdles that you had to get over, you know, with the current situation, overcoming that adversity to still keep that focus on what you want, what you're passionate about and what you want to create. Mm -hmm. And being in that situation, like, man, I'm feeling like, like I had no idea that this was going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like on the surface, like I didn't even know that you went to DC, went to Cincinnati, then went to Atlanta, mm -hmm. you know? So all those things, all those trials and tribulations were along the path of where you're at right now. And you've been in a great spot. You got your own spot your own place that you would call home in Atlanta. You met people along the way. Um, you had family that was there for you at those certain times. And you had good friends in your circle. And then 
you're still able to execute that dream, that passion of creating that own, your own brand. So what's next for Charles Mag right now? Mm, lucky me, precious what I eat. Ain't no roses at my feet, just the blood on the concrete. Look, the mission is covered. I stuck to the code and you don't know the code. Once they start me up and just know that it's over. My soul is on solar, surrounded by angels and soldiers on soul. World turn me cold, game turn me colder. Sitting course, I looking like I'm finna be the fucking future owner. Cup running over and she coming over and she told me that her little bro wanna beat me when he orders. Yeah, nah, what's next right now is I've been just focused on um, as you know, with the current situation going on, we are all focused on national elections. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that being said, currently we still are in the, the midst of a pandemic. Uh, we are currently still in the midst of uh, social issues going on with the, you know, people who look like me, the black community. Um, and then transitioning into from that into watching you know the national elections on tv and it feels like they're not even talking to me talking for me or talking about me you know it's, it feels kind of it kind of it does strike something up in me you know what i'm saying absolutely i, I, lie, I feel some type of way um you know yourself yes you being a black man as well so like right now currently um with limited voices out here, I felt like I had to step up. So what I did was I put together uh, the greatest team of artists and creatives in Atlanta. Uh, right now, I'm working with my brother, uh, one of my close friend of mine, Jordan. He goes by the name of Doodle Drawer, and he does all the animation for Machu Picchu on the Dot Swim. Um, wow. Also, we're working with uh, Kilmani. Kilmani, he has, hey, in my opinion, he's the greatest mural artist in Atlanta. Point blank, period. You can't change my mind. Um, he actually won the Living Walls uh, grant last year, 2019. He has phenomenal work. Like, phenomenal work. Uh, in I gotta see that. Yeah, I'll send you some stuff. Um, and then also, we uh, uh, bridged ourselves with the Decatur Art Alliance. Okay. Um, I've been speaking with a lady up there named Angie Macon, and she's also phenomenal. Um, she's more than willing to help us do social-friendly artwork and um, get funding, you know, for the artwork. So right now is the most unique time for the things that I'm doing because artwork funding is so limited with, you know, all the COVID and stuff like that going on. Yes, but the but the the value of art is at an all time high because you know we need social justice and we need a voice not only for people who look like me but for people who look like anybody that you know doesn't have a voice. Absolutely, and with COVID and people losing their jobs and um, uh, police brutality and amongst every issue, um, you know, there's the. I'm speaking for the voiceless. So what I stepped up and did was, you know, take care of speaking for, you know, that subgroup. Absolutely. Um, and, that's, and that's currently what I'm doing as well as focusing still on the bags and, you know, not leaving my baby alone. Cause you know, <laughs> of course, that. well, that's something that's going to tie in together. You know, that impact is going to, is going to spread across. So basically it's like you've been creating 
uh, a collaboration with a lot of impactful artists in Atlanta and people that got, you know, some some respect on their name in the city, you know. So you, you mentioned Decatur. Decatur is a, a, is a major county in Atlanta? Yeah, so Decatur is... Uh, one of the most, yeah, one of the, a major county in Atlanta. Um, just a metro Atlanta city. Yeah, probably less than it's less than thirty minutes away. My girl actually lives in Decatur, so I'm in Decatur all the time, like a second home for me. So, yes. Uh, and Decatur is really great. The reason why I chose Decatur Art Alliance was because the artwork in Decatur is just next level, and that's Absolutely. like that. That's a true focus for that area of Atlanta. Um, you know, they're, they're willing to put money behind and put the attention behind the artists and the creative um, in Atlanta. So, um, excuse me. I feel like, you know, that was definitely a great start. But yes. I'd love, I'd love to also do artwork in the heart of Atlanta too. Yes. You know, eyes matter. You want as many eyes as you can. So, Absolutely. You know, currently what I'm doing now is I'm working with, I actually put another sub team together um, of people who can help me out with my grant. So I'm working with two guys now. Um, one being a person who looks just like me and talks just like me. It's amazing. It's like talking, it's like looking in the mirror and talking to myself almost. So it's like, he understands kind of where I'm coming from. So um, with that, um, we've been just researching uh, a lot of grants, one being the NAACP, one being the NOV grant, um, amongst a lot of other grants. And we're just kind of putting together a super strong and impactful proposal, um, you know, to, to, to lend out to all these grant options. Uh, and just hoping that, you know, one of them, you know, will, will look out and, and understand kind of which direction we're going in. Yes. You know? And that's what it's all about. Because once you get that one, the movement is going to move. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be right there, and it's going to expand. Yeah, and word of mouth. And Decatur is a great hot spot for that because that's a, that's a city that's a city that's mentioned in a lot of songs. That's part of the culture. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that area yeah. and Atlanta yeah. as a whole is powerful. Mm-hmm. So moving moving that movement starting from inside, like same things going on in Detroit right now. And hey, don't even mean to cut you off. Um, that's kind of where I'm not necessarily in this spot as of yet, but my mind always drifts to coming back home and doing something back home because even looking at my even looking at my analytics, and I don't even want to you know put it on analytics, but just the people that I know, like you, Marco, uh, my friend Stafa, Carl, yep. a lot of my friends still are back home. So it's like, these are things that I also want to transition back home. So listen, if anybody's listening to this that can give me a hand, including being back in Detroit, you don't got to be in Atlanta. I I super appreciate that because, you know, that still means more to me than anything. Like I'm currently, yes, I'm in Atlanta. And this is a temporary home for me. And I'm getting embraced like never before. And I respect it, but at the same time, I do got a true home, and that's you know Detroit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And home's where the heart is. But sometimes you get on that journey to where you got to go somewhere else to bring it back, and that's exactly. what you're in the process of doing right now. Exactly. And I know all the people that we're interconnected with, 
everybody's working on different things. I, I truly believe that everything is going to come together. I, hey, I know. I agree. Uh, sometimes it feels like uh, I've been on this journey and finally it's starting to, you know, move in a direction of kind of where exactly I was thinking of four, five years ago. Yeah. So, no, it, it's starting to feel right. It's that I'm foresight, that foresight exactly, kicking in. Exactly. And, and you know, like, uh, you go through a lot. Hey, tell them, when I was in fifth grade, I was damn near a mute. Bro, I didn't talk. I didn't Man. talk. Like, I was, I come from a family, my dad, my mom, we not super. Expressive. Expressive or aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. that's kind of where, that's just where I come from. And, and even then, this is not knocking my parents at all, but they'd be like, yeah, he's he shy. And before I even knew what shy meant, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It kind of hey. it kind of put me in a box almost. Same and, thing with me. Yep. And by Same the time by the time I got to 11th, 12th grade is when I started shedding that. Because yeah. I gave all these adults, not just my parents, but all these adults, um, I, I just thought of them as a standard that I was thinking of myself. And a mm-hmm. lot of times, once you start growing up, you start realizing that. They're not doing it how I need them to be doing it. They're not saying what I need to be saying. Like, even mm-hmm. to this day, some people might sit, sit here and tell me, hey, listen, you radical. Like, what you, you radical. Like, the way you think is radical. And I don't take offense to it. I even heard Nipsey Hussle saying this before he passed. R.P. the Great. But he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the radicals. And I feel like I'm on the same thing. And I think uh, it takes that in these times, especially, you know, to, to rise out of that, you know, the concrete and be that Absolutely. road that grew out of the concrete. So um, yeah, it's been a long time coming. I think the growth is more important than anything. And I think the trajectory is slow, but at the rate that it's going at, hey, I can't ask for anything more, man. I'm just blessed and, I, and, I, and I'm appreciative. That's what it's all about, man. So talk about that. What's your mindset been like throughout yeah. the journey? You know, staying focused and ha- keep having that foresight and that that interpersonal perspective. Yeah. To voice. So I, so I mean, even I, I, I think the mindset. I always been like a daydreamer. I've never been good in class for real. Like, you know, I was always stable enough to keep up. I never fell behind, but I've never been like superseding everybody in class. And a lot of times I just find myself either drawing or dreaming. And it's like, I almost felt bigger than the classroom. And I feel like not only me, but a lot of kids, a lot of kids. And they diagnosed me with ADD, of course. (laughs) I mean, they do every kid, it seems like, especially someone that, you know, moves how I move, but, um, yeah, man, I feel like the mindset always been kind of like bigger than just the regular day job and the regular mundane stuff. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like, I feel like even you, we, we've always, and I've always been cool with like-minded people. You, Marco, Sequela, we was like a bunch in fifth grade. Like we was a unit like this. Yes. And we and we always had the mindset of uh, 
that growth and like you know we was we was on it yes and even though we was in class all we'll be talking about is the next week's monday night raw or friday night smackdown or what happened when um what happened with john cena you know just shit like you know we was always always on next week it seems like so I mean, I think that's kind of the mindset we we have to have if you want to progress um, and, and grow. Just focus on your growth. Just focus on um, your goals. Having we talked about this previously, just having an aim, and, and you will find yourself fulfilled when you have that target, that goal, that aim. And uh, sometimes it's hard, you know, to really focus in on what exactly you're gonna do. Yes. But one thing that I can tell anybody is as you start doing the small things, the vision becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Yes. And more clear. So, you know, I heard my boy Fresh Montana. He said, hey, brick by brick till it's empires. Lay a brick and then yeah. lay the next brick and the next brick. And then next thing you know, you look over and we got bags in this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And you created something. And people are buying bags. I'm selling bags all over the nation. And I'm working with a lot of freelancers and a lot of opportunities become available. So I think it, it, it's super important to like, you know, just focus on one step at a time. It's going to come. Don't rush for tomorrow all the time. You know, stay focused on the next step, but don't rush it. Embrace it because this is all that matters. Because as soon as you get the 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 bag, the bags, or the car, or the house, that's the end of the game. Now you got to continue yeah. the game with the next play and the next play. So, man, just stay focused. Just em- embrace the journey. I think that's all that matters. Absolutely. And everything else will make itself. No reality. It'll all come to fruition. You gotta, to fruition. you gotta know yourself, know what you like, slow and down, and enjoy the here's process. The thing. Here's the thing, too. You don't always know yourself. You don't. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, I'm like, Man, I don't know what's, what's next for me. Like, I can only work on what I'm working on right now, but you don't truly know yourself. And being young, it's that's hard because you're not getting a lot of um, positive, you know, feedback all the time. You probably Absolutely. getting more negative from your parents, like you need to do da 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 da, oh. and your boss saying you need to do da 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 da, and it's like you're not getting what you need for that true growth all the time. So sometimes you gotta just sit back, understand that, hey, I, I don't know where I'm at. I kind of don't even know where I'm going. But I'm going to try. And if you do that, I feel like you're going to automatically be in a better position, especially if it's for you. You know what I'm saying? Yes. If it's for yes. you. Because then you'll be able to recognize it for yourself. You're not listening to everybody around you that's trying to tell you, do this, do this. Because then you, you lose that sense of identity. Oh, yeah, exactly. You lose that sense of identity and you can become somebody you never even thought you would become. Man. And a lot of people are bitter out here. Let's just be honest. Absolutely. Like people do grow and become bitter and resentful. And 
that's them not doing for them. Like, wouldn't you rather fail on your face? But you know that, hey, man, I did it for me. Like, I could have done it their way, but I've been so, I'd have been angry, like, if I'd have just done it for them niggas. Like, I, I just want to do it for me. Fuck them niggas for real. For real. That's what it's all about. And it comes down to values, you know? Do it for yourself. Do it for the people you care about. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Block out the noise. Block out the noise. And a lot of times, I'll say this, a lot of times, if your main focus is for to help everybody else, right? Like my goal is I want to help as many people that I can, especially who look like me. But I know I have to condense this right down right now and focus on myself so that I can be in position to help everybody else, then you're good. Yes. Uh, but if you're focused on yourself through this whole process and there is no helping anybody else, then I think you do have to do a little digging inside and figure out truly who you are and your characteristics. Yes. Because then it will just create some emptiness. Yeah, man. You know, exactly. I think you hit that right on the head. I think um, it definitely will create emptiness because a lot of these materialistics, dang shit. Like, I just moved into a new apartment in September 8th, September 10th. It's October, what, 21st. And I'm already comfortable in here. I'm already used to it. Right. Ain't that crazy? Yeah. Like, I just moved in here and I'm already used to it. Like, I was in this bitch, like, cleaning the counters every day, like, blowing off the countertops. Yeah, putting attention to it. Like, yeah, paying attention. And I was like, you kind of come back down to reality. And I think that's just a natural thing for people to do. But understanding that, you have to understand that, listen, like, these these materials, these materialistic shit, you know, they come and they go. I get used to it like that. You have one bad day with that that brand new car, or you have one bad day in that brand new house, or one bad day in with that brand new watch, and it's like you forget that you're in it or wearing it or bought it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, and then you're searching for something else to replace it. I mean, you're searching for the next thing, and I think that's the point, especially with black people. We got to realize, like, bro, that ain't it. Like, that's bro, man. That's important. That's important key right there. It ain't even it for real. Like I'd love, I, I ain't gonna lie. If I, if I come up big, I'm getting, I'm copying me a Roly for sure. But I'm copying me the Roly off the love of the culture. I understand where, what it means. You know, it's like a trophy almost. But yep. to have earned that, because you know the work that you put into it. Mm-hmm. But then when you blind yourself, yes, to acquiring as many as you can, you become material and focus on the physical and the image. You're not focused on what got you to where you're going and how you're going to continue. Boom. And it sets you back financially, mentally, in all different types of ways. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? The materialistic shit is, it's cool for the moment. Uh, But I mean, as long as, as long as you stay in focus, as long as you stand, as long as you got that passion that drive you, um, I, I think most people will be good. Yeah. 
And it's not as hard as people make it sound either. No, it's not. It's not as hard. It's a lot. A lot of times people be in their own way. And I, I can attest to that, man. I've been in my own way for a long time. And most people that have been, that have had that experience, you know, figure out a way to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Getting in your own way, you, it's you versus you. That's one thing that I've always lived by. Like, you know, since I've gotten older, you know, and everything that I've been interested in, it's, it's you versus you. Like, yeah, so tell me about that. Yes. So the mindset, man, I've always been, I've always been an observer. I've always, you know, was aware of everything around me and, you know, dealing with different circumstances in my life. I was, you know, kind of putting scenarios um, as a kid to where I had to really adjust on the fly. So I, I developed like a survival type of instinct to where I was, you know, scared of change and uh, negativity because I felt anything that came my way was going to was going to affect me in some sort of way that was going to hurt me and bring out the emotions in me to where I was angry, crying, depressed, anything like that. And then one big thing that really, really helped me was I, I found something that was a passion of mine that allowed me to forget about all that, that troubling past and different changes in my life. And I, and I relied on what do you it. Think it was made you feel like that. Huh? Mm. What, what do you made you, what made you feel like that? Do you think? Um, it, it stem, it stems from being a kid, um, early teenager here being, uh, you know, growing up with, you know, parental issues and family household, you know, uh, my parents going through divorce and, you know, just witnessing them, you know, arguing and, and things like that. And it, it really put a damper on me to where like, I was, I was always an observer. I was always like, quote unquote shy, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And seeing that and being able to feel all those emotions at that time, it made me, it made me scared of, I, I say right now this time, confrontation, showing my emotions and change. Those three things. So what really helped me get through that stuff is to start discovering myself and getting into things that I really liked and wanted to do. And the first thing that got me over that in terms of mindset was bodybuilding and fitness and working on my physical health to try to drown out my, my mental uh, my spiritual was always there because I grew up in, uh, you know, a Christian household and I've, I've been taught everything, you know, in terms of adversity with the Bible and, you know, and I've, I've branched out into creating my own perspective now to where I'm in a lot of different things. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I actually, <laughs> like I'm, I look into Buddhism, I look into astrology. They got, they into, got it right. The Buddhists yeah, got it right, man. Yeah. That's one of the big things, man. That is one thing that saved me. Mm-hmm. Like really, like really, like the past couple of years, mainly the past year with um, my girlfriend and I, we do a lot of like meditations and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. she's been encouraging me to do journaling and stuff. But uh, one thing I learned is you got you to gotta feed yourself. That's what I learned. And with, with bodybuilding, with my spirituality now, things that I like care about in terms of passion, 
it's you versus you. That's the thing. You're not focused on these outside forces. Mm-hmm. There's no competition. There's no um, trying to prove somebody wrong, trying to prove yourself right. It's it's talking to yourself and and working for yourself. Mm. Yeah, no, I can't agree because um, that's one thing yoga yoga taught about, you know, taught myself about. Love yoga. As well as being in a bigger city. Mm-hmm. You know, those two things made me feel like a lot of outside influences don't matter. And you would think being in a bigger city, you would care more about what other people think. But there's so many other people worried about other people. So it puts you in a position where you almost feel isolated in your 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 opinion almost. Yeah. You're forced, you're forced to develop your own opinion. Yeah. And perspective. Yeah. No, exactly. And I, and I think that's so rejuvenating. And I think it, it almost set me free. I think me being in Atlanta put me in a position to just feel where I can move how I want to. I can have the friends that I want to. You can eat the re- at the restaurants that you want to. You can think how you want to. There is no one opinion and that runs everything around you. Yeah. So, nah, nah, I agree. And then with yoga, um, once you get into the meditation stage, wow, that mm-hmm. that is a different experience. It's almost like a, almost like a, a low level high almost. Yes. You know, like it, it puts you in a position where it's like you at a stage where you think so so calming, so smooth, and all the problems that you thought were problems they become aren't really... smaller and smaller. Yeah, exactly. And you let them go because you let your thoughts roam freely. Because mm-hmm. what it does, in a nutshell, is it it moves your focus from the physical world to to what's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah, man. Definitely mind mind changing. I actually used to do a yoga class every Wednesday, right? And it was free yoga. It's called hip hop yoga. And oh, that's what's up. It'll be hip hop music all throughout the yoga session. And then at the end, you know, she'll turn the music down to like some like tranquility type music and have you meditating. And it was just like damn, okay. Like I didn't know this is what what it was because one first thing I was thinking of the first time I ever did yoga first thing I'm thinking of is this is a workout <laughs> you know, I thought it was just a bunch of stretches nah this is a workout my boy it is you know what I'm saying so that was the first thing I thought of and then the second thing I thought of was oh, this is super relaxing you know like this is this is something that actually clears your mind Gets you into you know your space, man. I'm a, I'm an official yogi now, man. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. That's the thing. That's the one of the beautiful things about yoga. It, it gives you it gives you that ability to to be present. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it you, does. you don't. Fo- you're not focusing on your anxieties of like what future and what problems that you might occur in the future. You're not focused on it your past, it's all right there in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you versus you. 
there yeah. along with your thoughts and your body. Yeah. Honestly. Like you said, um, you said anxiety, and that always strikes up something to me because I, I feel like everybody has anxiety now. Absolutely. And I feel like a big contributor to that now is social media. Oh man, it's scary, especially with our generation and, and younger. The anxiety that social media has created is immense. I mean, yeah. I watched the Social Dilemma documentary and just um, seeing the numbers that they provided and the increase of you know cases of people that have been diagnosed and treated for you know anxiety and depression. That's just a wild era. It's crazy. I'm one of those. I'm one of those numbers. Young girls. To be honest with you, I'm one of those numbers. Yeah. No, I feel like I am too. Um, and I used to smoke a lot. And when I smoke, I get, you know, anxious. And yeah. it works for, it, it helps me out sometimes because now I'm mature enough. When I get anxious, it's things that I can you know, when I do things that's in my control, like you said, working out or focusing on my, my, my company, then it kind of numbs it out. But if I sit down and I'm watching TV and don't let it be a thriller or something that's going to get my heart pumping because yeah. I'm going to get a little shook. But <laughs> no, I feel like that's definitely a thing. And um, I think it would be worse if I was younger because I feel like with MySpace and Facebook in the beginning, like the Facebook we see now, it wasn't the Facebook of 2008, 2009. They gave it to us in doses. Yeah, we kind of worked up, we worked up a little bit. So, you know, we kind of got progressed into what we see now, but imagine being introduced to Instagram now rather than when we was Man. sophomores in high school. Scary. Whoa. Scary. Remember, I was getting Completely all different getting, world. Bro, I was getting like 12 likes on Instagram and I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. That was cool. That was all right. It was just the homies. And then mm -hmm. Vine came out and I was just the homies. And Twitter had came out and now it was just the homies. Just the homies and, and trending topics. Now, yeah, exactly. And now it's like everybody is so on whatever you post and it's it's crazy. Man. It's just expanded. It's it's made a mind of its own now. It's just it's 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 insane. Like I I consciously had to make an effort to remove myself from it, like over the course of like the past few years, because I was finding I was finding myself getting too deeply involved in what was going on on all these different platforms. Yeah, it's kind of sad. But Loki kind of entertaining sometimes. Yeah, like, of course. This, this Tory Lane shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tuned in a little bit, man. Man, real quick, in. what's your what's your what's your take on this stuff, man? I I heard that he had the live yesterday, and he was basically like, you know, yeah. denying man, it and said they're still friends bro, and stuff. Bro, bro, ain't do that shit, bro. Not like how sounds outlandish. Like how that they're saying he did. I right. think, I think. Uh, we would never truly know what exactly happened. No. But I think the story is too lopsided and unclear. And yeah, he went live last night 
and on the live, I mean, he pretty much the passion that he was bringing on top of, I don't know if you guys heard his album, but his album was phenomenal. I ain't gonna yeah. lie. New Toronto three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great album. That's really a good great one. Album. Super passionate, but, um, he brought up a few good points. He brought up a few, a few good points. And I'm like, maybe he didn't do it. And I'm never the guy that's like, I choose a side and that's it. I know a lot of people. You can't be. Yeah, no, especially in this era. <laughs> wow. Like, I know a lot of people who are like, I'm never listening to Tory Lanez album. Da, 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 da. And yes, I, I understand, especially someone who's the victim. But a lot of people don't understand this point. Trauma perpetuates as it goes down. So let's say Meg did get shot, but let's say Tori did not do the shooting, right? But Tori has the blame. Um, I think as you go down the line of blaming somebody, I think the trauma gets worse. And I'll give yes. you an example. So let's say I go to work. I have, a, I have a family. I have a wife. I have, I have kids. Say I go to work. Me and my boss get into it. I get fired. Possibly because I was late. My wife woke up late. Now, I go home and I blame my wife. What the fuck? You made me late. I want to fire me. And my boss got into it. Right? Yeah. And then now she turns. She takes that, that anger and puts it on the kids. Just like, you know, through the activities that they do or whatever and now the kid feels like I had something. I don't know what's going on, but something's going on. And every kid that's been through situations with their family, they they know that 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 trauma, and they take that trauma. Depending on the type of kid, they might take that trauma and run to school and bully the kid, yeah. the kids in their class. The kids in the class have nothing, literally nothing to do with the the, the dad getting fired. But as you pass that trauma along, it gets worse. Yes. Now, if that kid decides to, God forbid, kill himself because he's getting bullied at school and he has no clue why he's getting bullied at school, it's like hard to really touch the issue of what's going on in these schools or these schools getting shot up because there's so much outside influence. Yes. And that's why we can't, just sit there and point the blame at these celebrities because we don't know these guys. We would never know these situations and we'll never know their personality or who they truly are. So I think we got to take everything with a grain of salt and just em embrace what's going on instead of being involved in what's going on. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah, I, think, I think that's, that's huge. That's huge. Man. I love, I love what you just said about that trauma. Yeah. It, it ripple effects. You take you take your you take your anger out on one person. That person gonna take it out on somebody else. Every negative reaction causes more. Exactly. exactly. That's crazy. Yeah, man. That's something I really live by too. You know, like I'm sure we were raised the same way. You know, the two wrongs don't make a right. Yep. Yep. It just creates over time, and like you said, it leads to something even bigger and even more heartbreaking you know yeah how yeah. long how long could it go on for you know i know exactly and it's like when does it truly stop like everything going on in the world like i, I sometimes think like 
everything that's going on in the world currently, we all have a part in. Yes. None of us are totally innocent. None mm-hmm. of us are totally like every situation that ends up boiling up from the comments to uh let's say for the same situation, Tory Lane to Meg, who's ever whoever was in the car, the security, the driver, everybody in that situation, nobody was completely innocent. Exactly. So, so it's like we all have to realize that we're all a unit. Um, everybody affects everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's emotions are persuaded off of somebody or some situation. So we have to keep that in mind. Uh, the world's never going to be perfect. I'm not claiming that we all going to be happy and it's going to be a utopia or whatever, because that's not truly what's going to happen. But we have to keep that in mind. Let's move, let's move and hold each other accountable. Uh, I think that's, that's major. Absolutely. It's that, it's that personal accountability. Yeah, man. That's where it starts and how you treat other people. Yeah. And, and you ever notice, like, when you're in a good space, it's hard to spread that energy out. Because mm-hmm. you feel guilty space, sometimes. Yeah, and you don't give a fuck. <laughs> that too. Like, when you worried about what you worried about and you moving the right way and doing the right things, all that other bullshit, it does not matter. Like, you just focused on what you got to be focused on, what you care about. And exactly. all, the outside, all the outside bullshit just be like a breeze in the wind. Oh. Yeah. Damn, Breeze in the wind. Gotta let it go. Gotta let that shit. Gotta let that shit fly, man. Been too many times where I held on to so many, so much things, so many feelings, so many emotions, and I realized at the end of the day, some things you just can't control. You gotta let it go and keep moving. Yeah, man. Keep being yourself. Shit, hey, a lot of this shit you can't control. Mm. Even the shit that you care about most. There's going to be something that affects it. But if you go in with the mindset of, look, something's going to happen between here. I want to get the point a, from point A to point B, but there's I, I can't plan this shit out perfectly. It's never going to go oh, smooth. Never. As long as you kind of got that in your mind, like, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. There's a lot of bullshit going to happen. I don't know what bullshit going to happen. Now, depending on what exactly happens, it could affect me. But nine out of ten, I just be trying to move, beeline to my goals, to what I what I care about, and handle whatever is in, in the middle of that. Now I think on your way and be adaptable. Exactly, exactly. And handling everything in the middle of that makes you who you are. Like the reason why people go far is because they get they are able to handle that the shit in the middle. All the bullshit. Or is your character tough enough to to uh to t- stay solid in in the situation that you wasn't expecting? Is your situa- is your character strong enough to stay solid when you get disrespected or when niggas slight you or 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 uh they tell you I'm gonna throw you the oop or I, I fuck with you but they lying. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of situations that you gonna bump into and you gotta be like, nigga, at the end of the day. I'm focused on what I'm doing and all that bullshit is, is for the birds. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I think that's the mindset a lot of us <laughs> end up losing or sometimes not even gaining. And I think if you had that, you're going to be straight. Like Absolutely. 
that's just life. You know what I'm saying? That is a that's a truth bomb right there, bro. That's literally how we keep it moving. Yeah, man. I'm thinking yeah, about man. it, just all the different things. Yeah, man. The adaptability, the adversity. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's a lot. I, that, that makes and I can see that in a lot of people. A lot of people I fuck with, uh, I don't necessarily look at their personality. I met a hundred people that are the funniest people in the world. You know what I'm saying? I met a hundred people that can make me laugh. The character flaw. You know what I'm saying? Like that character not solid. So now what I do is I go about it a little different. I, I'm not. If you make me laugh, that's cool. But who are you? What you gonna do for for me if there's a if there's a tough time? What you gonna do for yourself if you in the jam? Yeah. How am I gonna stand next to you if you gonna fold when a nigga start talking crazy or, or start talking tough? You not tough? You not you not solid? You not gonna stand up for yourself? You not gonna stand up for us? You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of there's a lot of situations that I, I found myself in where I'm like, damn, we could have been out of this in a jiffy if, if bro had characteristics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think people, we gotta we gotta start looking at people for, you know, what they made of and not if they can make you laugh or if you can have a good time. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Cause then you end up burning you end up burning yourself at the end. Yeah, man, you gotta look out for yourself. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And you want to surround yourself with surround yourself with those like-minded people too. Yeah, you, you also want to be open to other perspectives, yeah, but yes. but your 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 core people they got to be like-minded or at least understand your viewpoint, how you move in terms of your character. You know, yeah, I, I think yeah, really yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I mean to cut you off. I really think it comes down to like two things: is is mindset and values. Mm. It, it just, I can't think of any other thing that, that it comes down to. I agree. No, I, I, What's that I, point I, you was about to hit on? Yeah, no, I was going to say, um, and, and when I say that, I don't want people to think like, don't find nobody that can make you laugh. Don't find no one you can have a good time with because that's super important. That makes your days better. But, um, you know, find people who can do both. Yes. There's a lot of people out here that can do both. It's that um, versatility. Understand, understand your values. Understand what you really stand on. And what I realized, too, is once you get 23, 24, your values are pretty much constructed. Yeah. You're not really going to change much from this point on. And that's one thing that I agree with. Like, I, 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 I uh, that's one thing that I'm, I, I, I'm proud of myself for is, like, I found kind of who I truly am. You know, I still got a long way to go, but at the end of the day, it's like, I kind of have my values in play. I kind of know who my friends, I kind of know what to look out for. And I feel like that's a good foundation on to continue throughout, throughout life. Absolutely. 100%. That's exactly where I'm at right now. That's where we're at. Yeah, man. We got to continue building on that. For sure. For sure, man. Man, I love this whole conversation, bro. We gonna create a lot of value for a lot of people out there, man. Nah, nah man, that's the goal, man. We just gotta, we gotta stay focused. I think as long as we stay on our goal, we got it, man. We can definitely help a lot of people. We can, um, we can change the things that we are expecting that need change. And I think uh, everybody knows some aspect in their life that needs 
that change or needs to be tweaked a little bit. And I think just focus on that. And I think that's a good direction for people to move in. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, bro. That's powerful. We gon' we gonna uh, we gonna kick it off like this. We done get we done dropped all the knowledge already. We got so much for people to dissect in this episode here. And I could go all night, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's been too long for us. For so sure. how long we've been recording for? Shit, we've been out here for an hour ten already. Oh, okay. Oh, damn, for like 30 minutes. I know. That's what happens. Hey, like I ain't gonna lie. This episode, what, 32, 31? 31. 30, it's episode 31. I want to be on episode 50. 50. Lock it. It's locked in. Episode 50. We got to do this again. We definitely I ain't stopping. All right, bet, man. I ain't stopping, bro. So, <laughs> That's real. episode 50, whether it's next year, 2024, and we can talk back on this and talk about, man, we done made it through this era. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I want. That's yeah. what I think is gonna happen too, man. I'm optimistic. I always gotta keep myself optimistic. Can't be cynical about everything. Nah, hell no. Nah, so nah. and that's how we keep it moving. How we gotta keep it moving, man. A love letter came through the mail. It said I miss you. I ripped it up and flushed with the tissue. Try to forget you. I ain't got nothing against you. We human, we all got issues. But I'm tired of being tired of being tired. That part of me didn't die. I see it, then I don't act like I'm blind. I'm confident it won't be one of mine. No emotions come with lies, so I tell the truth all the time. Young age, learn how to get paid. Big stage, learn away from session age. So I got one thing. What's up? 2020, obviously, it's been a year. We talked about a lot of different things that's going on in 2020. I want to put a little lighthearted thing on here, some open discussion for the ending of this podcast. So, we both love music. Yes. I want to ask you, what is your top five albums of 2020 thus far? Mm. You want me to go and order from five to five to one? Whatever you prefer. You could go five to one. You could go just five in general, no particular order, honorable mentions. Mm. Okay. Well, I say, I say, uh, I'll say five. I'll do Big Sean. Okay. That's definitely my fifth because, uh, you know, stay solid to the home. He, hey, Big Sean, probably my favorite rapper of, from, of my time. You know what I'm saying? But when I was growing up, um, he just gave me too much influence, and the mindset was too too like minded with me. So it was like, um, it was just so real. Um, so five would be Detroit two. Four would be Lil Durk. Uh, just cause I waited, or just cause y'all waited to. Solid. That three-headed goat. That three-headed goat. There's a dang. I forgot. I'm drawing a blank. There's this one song. It's one of the. I think it's the second to last one on there. Oh man, it's about like homies crossing them. That's every dark song. (laughs) Yeah, I think it might be last name. I don't know. Oh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I I got a fact check, but. 
Nah, dirt shit. That's powerful, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I, I fuck with that. The real street shit, like, you know, dirt, one of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Dirt really is one of them. Um, I don't know what song. I like The Night in UK. That's a good song. Yeah. I fuck with that song. So I say, all right, so we got Big Sean, Detroit 2, uh, Lil Dirk. Uh, just because y'all waited two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so at three, I got, of course, I got Lil Uzi, Eternal Will Take. Of course, I got Lil Uzi. Nigga, it's just too solid. He's a great artist. He is. And I think with this one, I've been hearing a little bit of a Lil Wayne influence. Mm-hmm. So it was like, dang, okay, Wayne is my favorite of all time. So to hear Uzi, with a little bit of, I feel like a little bit of Wayne on top. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was it was phenomenal. He's got um, the ambiance of Wayne. He's developing yeah. into it. I feel like. Yeah, he started to be more like. Like Wayne was a true artist. Like he was a great rapper, but then he started transitioning. He did the pop shit. He did the rock star shit. So it's just like Uzi kind of has both of those. I, I felt like that was like a, a you know, a combination of both, and then. Um, so Uzi, turn to a take. Four, I got Pop Smoke. Um, oh, that's number two. Meet the Woo 2. Oh, no, that's number two, my bad. So Meet the Woo 2? That's number... Meet the Woo 2, yeah, the second one. Yep, okay. So what am I at? That's five, four, was that three or two? Was that two? That's two. Okay. Meet the Woo 2 at two. <laughs> yeah, that was the two. Oh, man. man. Number one. This is my number one right now. And it's because of, we so related. Like, the album sound like what I be thinking about. And I got to say it, man. That Gunna Wanna. Yes. Yeah, the Gunna Wanna, man. <laughs> I knew it. Too tough. Too tough. Oh, I love that album, man. I love that album. Man. I like the deluxe he put out, too. Yeah, so do I. Man, he's just... It's something about him, man. That... He's just fully himself. Yeah. And yeah. and he has like a different sound. Oh God. His his rhyme pattern is different. Mm-hmm. Like he just kind of mastered what he's trying to do. He's just got he's got range, man. Mm-hmm. And he, he can range. talk about he's he's experienced of like what he's seen. Yeah. And and like how he lives his life. And it, I don't and it's, it's like it's crazy. It's like a trap luxury mm-hmm. vibe, and it feels like it feels like the back of a fucking Maybach. But in the back of the Maybach, you're like you might have like a backwood in there, mm-hmm. some like any. <laughs> maybe not even any. I'd say maybe some like I'd say some bubbly or something. Maybe some type of champagne. Some Bel Air. <laughs> yeah, some Bel Air or something like. It just sounds so luxury and 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 survive and his his rhyme patterns be hitting and his schemes the way he put he puts words together and like that flow it's like damn who who taught him this where is he where is he getting this from like it's unbelievable i'm about to ask you man what's your what do you what's your top five i'm gonna do it like how you did it you set the tone for me on how you uh did five to one Okay. So I love all music for the most part. 
I'm a, I'm a connoisseur. So I got, I got some honorable mentions, but I had to go with my heavy rotations. Okay. Um, uh, number five coming in. I got to give love to my toxic bro, future. Future. High off life. I've always admired future. Not like, not like everybody else does. I like, I like how he is himself. He's an artist. He's got range and he, man, he doesn't hesitate to talk about what he wants to talk about on the track. Thanks. And he'll still, he'll still put in sprinkles of, you know, them hot songs with big features like Travis Scott and, you know, but like really like with future, I'm a deep cut future guy. Like I like his deep cuts. I don't like any of his big stuff and high off life gave that to me, you know, with everything that was going on, like with him publicly, he still came out with himself high off life. Yeah. No, my thing with, all right. So I'll tell you what I feel about future. So I love future as an artist. Now I don't necessarily agree with all the shit he be talking about. Oh man, yeah. Um, you know he be on that that toxic shit, mm-hmm. but I think it's reason why I respect it is because it has a place in hip hop. I feel like if everybody was talking about how Future talks, and there wasn't no J Cole's, Big Sean's, Kendrick's, Drake's, then I feel like it would be a little left. But I feel like since you know. As a collective, I think Future fits in perfectly. Yes. Um, so I used to have a problem with Future, but now I ain't gonna lie. I was listening to that Thirty One Days today. Yeah, man. Different. He's different. <laughs> He's different. He got, he got something like he got that it factor. You gotta. You know what? My favorite man. I got so many favorites of him. His songs, man. Every album, I got a favorite song. Yeah. From him, man. Like. One of the big things is like he he'll talk about what's popular, but it's also the pain that's causing him. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I like how he I like how he makes it like acceptable. Yeah. And is open about it. Like my favorite song, I serve the bass off DS too. Yeah, the DS2 is different. Man. You know, when Future did that, he did DS2, he did Beast Mode. Um, what other mixtape? He dropped like four Monster. Mixtapes. Monster. There's so many. He dropped so like many. four mixtapes in like less than a year. And it was just crazy to me. Like his work ethic is like on that level that it's on. So I, he got he got my full respect, especially when it comes to the work ethic. Man, day in, day out. So I got, that's number five, High Off Life Future. Give him his flowers, too. (laughs) Number four, man, you mentioned Pop Smoke with Meet the Woo, too. I got Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon for number four. Okay. I I I love it. I love what 50 did with it. I, I like how it, you know, got artists featured on it yeah man so i didn't even i thought you know i got confused so meet the wutu and aim for the star so uh aim for the star shoot for the moon that that's definitely the one like you know the um the little tj feature 
super solid. And just how 50 took it in that direction, like it started with some like some trap shit, going down the trap shit. And then halfway through, boom, it switched to like some 90s R&B vibes. Like, That's whoa. my favorite part about it. Great, great, great idea for 50. I got to give him the props. It's some samples, man. I'm so into you. Yep. Many men. Yep. Man, like, like when he got into that, that not necessarily singing bag, but like that R&B, like that was some versatility on Pop Smoke's like man. performance level. Like that really upgraded the catalog because it was mostly just trap. Like, yeah, man. You know, that Brooklyn the, lifestyle. One of the goats, man. I ain't gonna say. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie. R.P. Pop Smoke. Uh, I even seen the video. Not only was he versatile in the music, I seen a video of him doing an acting scene. And he was so with it like it was like who who did we lose like we lost one of him like he was him like he was really solid a solid uh act so i i mean rp pop smoke rp nipsey rp juice rp uh mac mac yeah rp pete legends bro we lost a lot rp kobe oh man the impact of that bro that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we can go in on that later, on episode 50 or something. But Man, the impact that all those guys had, man, overall. You know, that just kind of shows, like, real quick, like, they don't love you till you're gone sometimes, bro. Yeah, man. And, <laughs> and, that, and while we're on the topic of music, I feel like we have to protect our own. You know, we go through a lot of these, a lot of these uh, situations. As you heard, I just said RP like, seven, eight names. And these yep. are recent guys. And I feel like, who are we holding accountable? I feel like mm-hmm. labels, and not even say RPX. I, I feel like labels, we have to protect. You know, they have to start protecting, you know, these artists that they signing. Mm-hmm. If these were hoopers. If these were athletes, these schools wouldn't be treating these art, these their players like these artists. Absolutely. They wouldn't be letting them get killed off like this, left and right. They wouldn't mm-hmm. let them be locked up left and right, free Kodak. One of the realists, they wouldn't be free Bobby, you know. Yeah. All these, all these artists that are in positions where they're either gone or they locked up, and it's like we we gotta start holding these labels accountable. Yes, because they signing all these artists for all this money, taking their masters, taking their publishing, taking mm-hmm. everything they got from these guys, and running off, and and, and, and no one's talking about it. And I feel like yeah. this is huge. This is big, and this is disrespectful for the culture. So Absolutely. You got to start targeting in on these guys, man. Yeah, because you're making money off somebody somebody else and you're not protecting them. And, you know, being so looked at in the public light in terms of, like, your fame and stuff, like, it, it takes a toll on you mentally. Exactly. exactly. And, and you, you start big, relying on other stuff. Yeah. It's a big it's the thing about artists is, you know, you're, they're in it by themselves. You know, when you're when you're an athlete, you get to be around the team. You get to be around, you know, a group of guys that, you know, um you can kind of rely on. But when you are artist, typically you by yourself. Yeah, you're on your own. That's you. You on your own. You bet and on yourself. Everybody that you when you and they're young, you know, these are guys that are nineteen to twenty five. Um so they're probably feeding their families. They they people's looking up to them now. Like they supposed to be giving out all this money 
So when you in these positions and no one's there, you don't have no mentor, you don't have uh, money manage management half the times. And if you do, you got to be shysty of these niggas because they be shysty. And there's different situations where artists, there being situations where, you know, they're naive and they're being taken advantage of. So I feel like we should definitely keep an eye on these labels. And like I said before, man, we got to hold them accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's life's on the line with this, bro. Yeah. Man, RP to the real ones. Yeah. Let's hope that in the future, we don't got we don't got these issues anymore. We gotta start holding these labels accountable, like you said. Yeah, man. Getting the proper guidance in place. But um. So, number three. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number three. My bad. I didn't mean to take you off on. No, you good. That's that's perfect. <laughs> I love that. That's the stuff we need to talk about. <laughs> number three. I got to get a little baby. My turn. Great. Man. Great hey, little baby's running. He's running the rap game right now. Yeah, 100%. He got the rap it, game. In the it's game. him and Gunna. Yeah, no, I agree. And I agree. my turn, man, it's just a whole different – it's a whole different part of baby. I think with, with baby, he, he just elevated. Mm-hmm. He's in a point now where um, not only is his lyrics sounding like, you know, mature, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of times you look at Lil Baby, especially when he came in the rap game, as just one of those rappers that had a lot of filler music. Yeah. Now is at a point where Lil Baby is like on, uh, he's talking about political issues. Mm-hmm. He's talking about uh, real trauma. Yeah, trauma, real situations happening in the hood. Uh, the position he came from, the position he's still in to this day, uh, his baby moms, his kid, like, we're getting so much from little baby. I feel like we really got to give him the true salute, you know. He, Absolutely. He's definitely elevated. I got to give a lot, a lot, a lot of love to baby for this one, man. Huge. Impactful music. Impactful music. Meaningful music. Meaningful. For sure. This is one I didn't hear you mention, but I know you probably was on this one. This is number two. Heaven or Hell, Don Tolliver. Ooh, Don Tolliver. I fuck with Don. Don is, Don is, he's on, man. Yeah. He's, he is so versatile. Yeah, no, um, I think with Don, because Don's been around for a minute, <laughs> since what, 2015? Yeah, he came up, he came up around that time. He was just in, in the shadows for a while. Right, and he had great music, and this was like, right around the SoundCloud era. So I remember listening to Don and when it came to Don Tolliver, like he had music and I remember hitting people up on like Snapchat who was playing shit like in the cut, like, mm-hmm. like bro, who is this? Yeah. Like, Cause I always had my, my finger on the post of like, you know, who's coming up and who's next up. I never heard of this guy and he had like R&B music that kind of felt like in the pocket where it was like close to hip hop. Yeah, it was so borderline, and I loved it. So, I I, I super I, I like Don Tolliver's project. I didn't get to listen to the whole thing, but I know it was solid. Man, top to finish. Yeah, it's just a vibe. It's got like it meets right in the middle, like you were saying. 
like it's honestly a cross between pop R&B and rap. Yeah. And he's got party hits. It's got anthems. Man. <laughs> no, I know, That's I some know. good stuff, bro. And then you know you already know what number one is. You ain't here yet, so you know what it is. The hometown. Detroit fucking two. To my hometown. <laughs> Big Sean, man. He, oh my God. I can't I can't even explain how impactful this album has been for me. Every single Big Sean album is very impactful for me because like you were saying, man, I just really relate to him and I feel like Everything he says, I feel like I'm in that particular moment when he raps. And this album in particular, I know he put a lot of energy into. Um, there's so much like spiritual, so much motivation and inspiration. There's so many elements to this album that I just can't not put it number one for me. Because the way the beat, the Hit Boys production on it, and how it, how he rhymes on these beats and how they chop, like, it, it creates a feeling in you. Every single song creates a feeling in you. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, that's what music does. That's going back to the roots of Motown music. Yeah. No, Motown bro, music did I'm that. I'm so with you. I'm so with you. I feel like this is, mo this is Big Sean's most intimate project. Man. Um, we never really hear Big Sean talk about, um, you know, a stories in this rate you know mm -hmm. a lot of times he'll you know touch on some stuff uh but i feel like in this project he took it to the next level mm -hmm. um and also think about the reason why i love big sean is check me out big sean is so aware of who he is um i think his route was unconventional so i think the way that he speaks about himself is unique to you know the rap game absolutely uh, the closest i can compare him to would be like a like a j cole cole, cole or kendrick in a, a way kendrick vibe yeah and uh i think it's suiting because they both came up at the same time mm -hmm. you know um like that 2009 2010 vibe and uh with them i don't know if you remember this all right so when big sean cole and kendrick really start coming in it was like the transition from like trap music. It was like Wayne, Jeezy, Kanye, and like T.I. Yeah. <laughs> and then right after that, you get like a wave of like artists that were almost like college performing artists. Yeah. Like Wiz, yep. J. Cole, Kendrick, Sean, Drake. All these guys came in around that same time, and it was like a like a refreshing vibe. Like it was like almost like positive, and like you know they talked about their experiences, and it wasn't um, fickle. So yep. that's and why I mean, love Big Sean. So much. Yeah, and they're, and they're becoming like they're legends now. Like I feel like they're in, they are in a space where it's like solidified. They've been around for a minute, so yeah. absolutely, man. <laughs> At Detroit too, that put me. That got me back here right now, bro. Yeah, that shit. Yeah, man, I know. man, oh, so much, bro. Oh my god. No, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to add some of that back into this. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and edit. 
But anyway, I got so much. I can do a whole. We can do a whole podcast on these albums. But um, I got some honorable mentions, man. I can't. I can't leave these out. I got you know, Legends Never Die, Juice World, uh, the Goat, Hello G, the Goat, mm-hmm. the Goat. He's gonna rise up. He's he's there already. So he's gonna make more music. He's gonna be hot, hot, even hotter. Um. And I gotta give M his props, man. Music to be murdered by. I like I like that. It's good. It's good. I like that. There's some good stuff on there. And uh, you know, Wayne. Wayne's been Wayne. putting out a lot of music. Funeral, Funeral Deluxe. Honorable mention. Great. And yeah, the deluxe was phenomenal. Uh, I love the deluxe. Honestly, I like the deluxe better than I like the original. Me too. Sure. Me too. Um, and then um, you know, rebooted new no ceilings. The reboot no ceilings. Yep. That's, so, that's phenomenal too. I just also, like to I, see him putting out his stuff again. I'm gonna add an honorable mention in there. Yeah. Just for all my my hood shorties out there. Just for all my hood niggas out there. Uh, street street music listeners out there. Shout out Young Nudie, man. Okay. Shout out Young Nudie, man. I, if if I'm not mistaken, it was called Understanding. Woo, heat. Most people didn't like it, but it grew on me. I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna give Young Nudie his props. And I'm gonna give 21 Savage his props. Oh yeah, seven modes too. Yeah, that was great, man. I, I could ride around with that, mm-hmm. bumping that, man, just cruising. You know, you feel like I'm on some like, you know, some hood. I, I ain't on no hood nigga shit, but I feel, <laughs> I feel like it I got puts you in that mode. You. Yeah, you know, sometimes you need some of that. Yeah, you, you need that. Like, oh yeah. So, yeah, man, them, them my honorable mentions. And uh, one thing I really like about that too, real short, I like I like the snippets, I like the interludes with the with the narration, Morgan mm-hmm. the Morgan yeah. Freeman narration. Ooh, it really drives home the points of all the songs. Yeah, no, I think he, you know, that's phenomenal. I'm glad you touched on that because I feel like he uh, he pretty much preferenced everything Twenty One was about to say. Mm-hmm. So even with the snitching, you know, topics or you know, the, the the points that Morgan Freeman made about character and, and things like that, it went right into a song that was followed up by a solid beat by Metro and a solid verse by Nudie. And yeah. the combination, not only of Metro and 21, but then to add uh, Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. super elevated. It really drove it down. It, it yeah, drove it home. No, that drove it home for sure. Like I appreciate that that interlude, that Morgan Freeman on sliding, but the double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah, powerful stuff. Got it. But man, we gotta do this again, bro. You said this is episode thirty-one, episode fifty. We locking it in. We both never stopping. I just want to say, bro, I really appreciate you being on here with me. Appreciate that. I'm super grateful and blessed that we've been able to have a connection together for so long and never miss a beat. Nah, man, I appreciate you having me, man. Appreciate you hosting. Appreciate you staying consistent and continue over with two years. I think that's uh, that should be spoken about. Um, that's amazing. Uh, and I'd love to be back on, man. Absolutely. Episode 50. We gonna lock it in. I appreciate you, bro. We're going to talk soon, all right? All right, tap in. Hey, 
Cop your bags too, man. Cop yeah. your bags, man. Charles Mack. Yeah, I'm dropping the website in yeah, the man. descriptions. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Got to. Show man. some love to your local businesses. Appreciate it, man. Black owned, we, we here. Absolutely. Yes, I'm gonna have to get one of those in the mail too, by the way. Yeah, tap in. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Love, bro. All right, bro.